Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Come, children, hearken to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Come ye to him and be enlightened, and your faces shall not be confounded. Words taken from the gradual for this, the seventh Sunday after Pentecost, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. As mentioned last time, we know the world is being plagued anew with the return of a more wicked and more perverted society than that of Sodom and its cities of the Pentopolis of old. And so not surprisingly, good men are wondering upon what logic can any of this insanity be based? Thus, one man recently asked openly and plainly the simple question, what is a woman? What is a woman? He asked many experts and common folk alike. He never really seemed to find anyone who could give the right answer. Yet he did get a wonderfully simple answer from his wife, thank God, an adult female who needs help opening this jar. This confusion is an effect of communism. One of the errors of communism, we might say. Listen to Pope Pius XI. He taught, communism is particularly characterized by the rejection of any link that binds woman to the family and the home. And her emancipation is proclaimed as a basic principle. She is withdrawn from the family and the care of her children to be thrust instead into the public life and the collective production under the same conditions as man. We are now seeing the end results, the rotten fruits of the communists, the rejection of any link that binds woman to her gender and her origin. Today, I would like to present a more complete answer to this question, what is a woman? And that answer is found by starting with man, because that is where God started. And so last time, with a little assistance, we arrived at the essential solution to both questions. What is a man? He is a copy of the great original, Jesus Christ. What is a woman? She is a copy of the great original, the Virgin Mary. Adam and Eve were the first copies, the first images of these great paradigms and exemplars. We presented that last time. Today, let's turn to St. Thomas. He says, what is first in any order is the cause of everything which follows it. We can see that plainly in a family, the patriarch, and all the children that follow. He is a participating cause in their existence. What is first in any order is the cause of everything that follows it. He also said, that which is most perfect is always the exemplar of that which is less perfect. Now we turn to Pope Pius XII. He said, Jesus Christ is God's masterpiece, the greatest of his works. 
And whatever moment and circumstances of his manifestation in time, he is the first to be willed by God. And in view of him were made all other things were brought into being. Now let's turn to Pope Pius IX when he defined the Immaculate Conception. He said, from the very beginning and before time began, the Eternal Father chose and prepared for his only begotten Son a mother in whom the Son of God would become incarnate and from whom in the fullness of time he would be born into this world. God, by one and the same decree, had established the origin of Mary and the incarnation of the divine wisdom. Thank you, Pope Pius XII and Pope Pius IX and St. Thomas Aquinas. All this simply means that Jesus and Mary are indeed the great originals, the perfect exemplars of humanity, of men and women. And the proper ordering is Jesus and then Blessed Mary. And we learned last time how man is fittingly modeled on his majesty's saving passion. Where do we want to look to find a model for the man? We look to his majesty. We look particularly at the passion. Focusing on Pilate's exclamation, Ecce homo, behold the man. Amazing. And so not surprisingly, we find in the same passion, the model of woman. As his majesty lay dying on the cross, he looked down and saw his blessed mother and he called her Mulier. Woman. Is this by accident? It is certainly not. No, among other things, he was setting forth his mother, his, this woman, as the exemplar of all true women. At the start of the Passion, Venerable Mother Mary of Agreda, in her mystical city of God, reports how this Mulier prayed that she might be permitted to feel and participate in her virginal body all the pains of the wounds and tortures about to be undergone by Jesus. This petition was granted by the Blessed Trinity, and the mother, in consequence, suffered all the torments of her most holy son in exact duplication, God preserving her life to prevent her from dying in her most ardent love. And so Venerable Mother adds this, she felt in her purest body the same pains, the same blows and cuffs and other insults inflicted upon the author of life. All the sufferings of the Lord miraculously reacted upon the virginal body of this sincerest dove. The same pains beset the son and mother, and the same sword pierced both their hearts. With only this difference, that Christ suffered as the God-man, and sole redeemer of mankind, while Mary suffered as a creature and as a full faithful helper of her most holy son. Thank you, Venerable Mother. His Majesty suffered the wounds outwardly. She suffered his wounds, his same wounds, inwardly. He was the Savior, she the helpmate. He the Redeemer, she the co-redemptrix. 
He the mediator, she the mediatrix of all his graces. This means the woman, the new Eve, the great original, the exemplar of womankind has no independent existence. No independent existence from the new Adam. And this is partly why surely his majesty gave his mother to St. John upon his death, calling her Mulier because she didn't have an independent existence. No wonder these modern Pentopolis dwellers hate Our Lady, even though she is the highest and best of all the saints in heaven. A woman is the best, the highest honor of our race, and they despise her as they promote women, feminization, liberation. They demand independence. They demand liberation. And they destroy women. On May 3rd, we heard in the Roman Martyrology of two amazing incidents that put this fundamental and primordial man-woman relationship on display wonderfully. In 313, at the very end of the persecutions, Antonina was discovered to be among those who loved and kept her virginity for the love of his majesty and in imitation of Blessed Mary. And so she was dragged to a brothel, the penalty for women who refused to wed. A courageous Christian soldier named Alexander came to her in the guise of a customer. Instead of hurting her, he traded clothes with her to save her. This is one of the times, the rare times, that cross-dressing is permitted. Allowing Antonina to escape a virgin, he did. Yet Alexander was soon discovered and condemned to death. Antonina then ran back to be with him and support him in his passion. And both were tortured together and executed by being burned alive. On the same day, amazing, we hear this story about the newlyweds, Timothy and Mara. Discovered to be a Christian in 286 in northern Egypt, Timothy was condemned to death by the governor and tortured in an effort to break him. Seeing, however, that torments had no effect upon Timothy, they sent for Mara and told her that she alone could save her husband from death. Now, she's a teenager by her tears, she might induce him to sacrifice to the gods. And she went accordingly to the place, and seeing him in so piteous a condition, endeavored to induce him to compromise. And Timothy replied, How is it possible, O Mara, that being thyself a Christian, instead of animating me to die for the faith, thou dost tempt me to abandon it? And thus to obtain a short and miserable existence here, expose myself to the never-ending pains of hell. Is this then thy love, O Mara? Mara was instantly converted by this rebuke, and casting herself on her knees, besought her blessed Lord with many penitent tears to forgive her. She then asked pardon of her husband and exhorted him to remain firm in his profession of faith, expressing at the same time a desire to sacrifice her life in atonement for her fault. 
and to be the happy companion of his martyrdom. Timothy, much consoled by the repentance of his wife, told her that her last words had caused him to forget his past sufferings and that she should forthwith return to the governor to retract her first step and to express her desire of dying for Jesus Christ. Mara at first was afraid. She did not trust her own weakness. But Timothy prayed for her so effectually that the Lord granted her grace and strength to execute the orders of her pious husband. Soon, they were both sentenced to be crucified, one opposite to the other. They continued to live in this state of crucifixion for some nine days, during which time they ceased not to bless the Lord and to encourage each other with the hope that they would soon be united to Jesus and Mary in heaven. Amazing. Remember the Battle of the Vendée after the French Revolution when the men were retreating over the bridge, meeting their wives praying at a nearby Calvary. These valiant women insisted they go back to fight or they themselves would go and fight for them. And they won. The men turned around and went back. The women continued to pray and they won each working together in their proper places, brought about the victory. What is a woman? The indispensable helpmate of man. She is his complement, not his replacement. She lives for him. He dies to save her. God made Eve dependent on Adam, but he made Adam dependent on God. Had Eve gone to Adam, she would have foiled the serpent. That is how she crushes the devil. On Mother's Day, we spent a little time seeing how the woman is meant to be a double of Our Lady Ark of the Covenant. Thus, woman is to remain all gold inside and out. That is chaste and pure as was the Ark, so that all will rest assured she is the mother of a man's child or children and not another's. She is all gold in her beautiful form, in her childlike skin, in her childlike voice. It is well said, humble wife is husband's boss. Humble wife is irresistible to a good husband. And yet this gold can easily turn to lead when chastity and childlikeness of her nature is lost. It may be painted gold, but scratch it a little and you find lead. It's very shallow. As with the ark, woman has a special place where she is most powerful and effective, most notably the home. Just as the ark is at home only in the Holy of Holies. She also strives to be modest and self-effacing just as the ark is carefully veiled and has angels facing down. This is an important point that shows the interior and mysterious nature of woman. Are not life-saving covenants the contents of the ark, both in the new and old arks? Yes. Does not the woman cooperate intimately and wonderfully with God to bring forth new life? She is man's rib coming from his side. He is the head. She's the heart. 
St. Paul says, but I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is the man and the head of, the, of Christ is God. The head of the woman is the man. And we know that the heart of man is mysterious. Thus, the sacred scriptures speak about how only God can understand the ways of the heart. Of the two genders, then she is more mysterious than the man. Thus, the reason it is hard to find the answer to what is a woman. From the life of St. Teresa of Jesus, the great Carmelite mystic, we read, When Padre Mariano tried to make the Holy Madre accept a novice whom she did not want, she told him most energetically that he understood nothing about women. Let your reverence not meddle with that anymore, she said, for the love of God. Your reverence amuses me when you say that you will very soon know her. We women are not easy to know through and through. You hear our confessions for years, and then one day you're surprised at having understood us so little. For in the matter of owning up to their own faults, women don't know themselves. And you judge them on what they tell you. Words of St. Teresa. This captivating mysteriousness of woman is lost when she becomes immodest in dress and speech. She becomes, as it were, just another guy, an empty ark without mystery. Women show something of their mysterious nature in another way as well, especially when they become mothers. That is, they are more intuitional than men, having what some call the sixth sense. Listen to Father Rippinger. He says, to make assessments of good and bad, which is the second act of the cognitive power, is more predominant in women than men. The general consensus is that this is necessary for women to be able to make intuitional judgments about the state of their children without having to think it through, as a man would, in order to take proper care of them. Thank you, Father. In this way, like the ark, she comforts her family and reveals hidden things when fitting and can sense when something's wrong and save the day. Why is the sorrowful heart of Mary needed to know the faults and thoughts of men. What is a woman? A copy of the great original, the Blessed Virgin Mary. She is the indispensable helpmate of man. She is his complement, not his replacement. She is the bride ever seeking the bridegroom in the canticle of canticles. She is Adam's mysterious rib, his beloved and treasured heart. She suffers the same wounds as her man, but inwardly and quietly. Man saves through a great exterior exertions, but she by supporting him and bringing to birth and nourishing life. I would like to conclude today with the words of the Roman Martyrology for the Saints Alexander and Antonina we mentioned earlier. Having so finished together 
their noble contending, they were crowned together. May we all be saved souls together in heaven. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.